Listening to Disney Plus Plus Ben Plus Friends, the show where I Ben Plus Disney Plus uh, Plus Friends. That's that's the catchphrase. That's that's the tagline. That there's why do people listen to this show? Uh, I'm really excited today. We're talking about a movie that I I love. This movie it's 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 fun. It's it's adventurous and exciting and sexy. It's Pirates of the Caribbean: Curse of the Black Pearl, and I. This is a movie that I think of very fondly, but that I don't rewatch as often as some of the movies we've talked about so far. It's been a couple of years since I watched it, so I was so glad to have an excuse to watch it and to have an excuse to talk with two of my best friends about it. So I'm going to introduce, that, as, as promised in the title, Plus Friends. It's not just Ben, not just Disney, all sorts of pluses, and one of the pluses is Friends. So first, let me introduce you. My friend, uh, she, she's one of the, the main bartenders at Colony slash The Rhino. She's awesome. She has a five-star island on Animal Crossing. Everybody give it up for Jess Johnson. Welcome to Hello. the podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on. Anytime. How's your island going? Great. Um, I am working on an apiary at the moment. Okay, that's, is that uh, bees? Yes. Okay, that's such a fancy word. <laughs> <laughs> I learned it today. You've got Reddit, a five-star so. island and five five-star words as well. Right. Uh, well, wonderful. <laughs> I hope that goes well, and I hope you don't get stung. Uh, speaking of getting stung, that's not a good transition. Cool. <laughs> uh, please also welcome to this show. Uh, my buddy, he also bartends. That's a motif you'll you'll see uh, at at Colony. He plays in several Kansas City-based bands, including the UK's uh, Sarah Bellum, Sarah and the Sarah Bellum and the Brainwaves. I haven't introduced you yet. Sarah <laughs> Bellum and the Brainwaves. And uh, and I'm the worst. It's, it's Noah Bartel. Noah, welcome. Hey, what's up? How you doing? I'm great. It's so it's so nice to talk to you. This isn't really scandalous because I've admitted it to you before, but for the first like three years that I knew you, I thought your last name was Bartlett, like the pair. And it's not. It's Bartel. And the second T is like kind of like... Uh, almost not voiced so like i've gone through like a, a journey pronouncing your name over the years uh from yes Bart bartlett to bartelt to bartel uh so that's not exciting or interesting i, I could I, I could edit it out but i'm not going to that's the <laughs> <of> the podcast. <laughs> uh all right so i had you guys on for a bunch of reasons but one of the reasons is i i, I was thinking this movie that i've been wanting to do it's it's almost summer this is this big, fun summer movie, and it's time for for beachy drinks. And you guys are both bartenders who are currently furloughed because of COVID-19. Uh, if you're playing the at-home drinking game, Ben mentions COVID-19. Take a shot. Uh, <laughs> um, and I thought it'd be fun if you guys would pitch to the audience some rum-inspired drinks. And so my thought is uh, I'll let you guys each introduce a drink and – then uh, at the end of the episode, I'll, I'll let you guys give some information for like your cash app or your, or your Venmo, something like that. And then if you are a listener of this show and you make one of these guys drinks at home, send them a tip, please. Because, uh, you know, everybody's going through different stuff right now, but 
people, bar staff, you know, in particular, if you're at a work at a music venue, um, money's tight right now. So if, if you hear one of these drinks, it sounds really good. And you make this cocktail, send a tip to one of these awesome people. So Jess, what's, what's your rum drink? Tell me about it. Uh, I, I'm sure that I wish I had it in front of me. I'm, I'm sad that I don't, although I do have a Mai Tai from Boulevard Beverage Company, uh, the fling cocktail, uh, do some fling with yourself. This podcast is not sponsored by fling. I hope it is. <laughs> yes. uh, <laughs> what is, what, what is your rum drink, please? So I decided to do, um, kind of a quarantine version of a rum runner. Um, and I really, I liked the name of the cocktail because it's something that's very briefly mentioned in the movie. Yes. Um, and but it's a very a great name drink. for a pirate ship. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, it's a real life thing that they incorporated into the movie, which I thought was really awesome. Um, but it's an easy cocktail to make because it's very versatile. You can do whatever you have on hand. So, um, the recipe that I use is equal parts, one ounce each of light and dark rum. If you have it, not a lot of people have it at their home bar, some banana liqueur, maybe some orgeat. An ounce each of lime juice, orange juice, and pineapple juice. Um, half an ounce of grenadine. And so you shake all that together, stick it in your cool glass, skewer some like pineapple and some cherries yeah. and some limes and stick that on top of for your garnish. That sounds amazing. And I'm guessing with that grenadine, that's probably going to come out like a nice pink color, right? Or like a blush. Mm -hmm. Ooh, ooh, beautiful. Yeah. All right. And Noah, uh, what is yours? So I kind of did my own thing here because I had a lot of stuff and I was just like, oh, let's just see what I can do. If you can't tell, I know people can't see it on here, but I have a, just a bar behind me that's just like a bunch of tops of bottles. It, it's correct. It, it does <laughs> look like you might get assassinated by several bottles of liquor in the middle of this episode i, I mean uh, a la I, julius caesar uh yeah if <laughs> i if i disappear Senate. if i disappear man that's what happened <laughs> to buffalo trace uh yeah <laughs> uh so this one i'm actually going to be calling jack the monkey oh yes yes so i gotta <laughs> gotta reference the actual movie here for sure um but it is uh i just did a quarter ounce of heirloom lime peppercorn syrup which is okay. uh it's a local uh, shrubbery and uh, syrup maker. Um, fantastic stuff. A uh, quarter ounce of banana liqueur. Uh, one and a quarter ounce of coconut rum. And then I topped it with soda. So it's just kind of like a well drink. But uh, it's a banana lime rum soda with coconut. That sounds, sounds awesome. incredibly refreshing, right? It's I mean, so like, good. Uh, excellent poolside. Uh, you have one of these while you're in the pool, and then at dinner later, uh, you have one of the rum runners. I think it's the way to go. Exactly. Well, uh, those are great. <laughs> well, I'll be sure to include recipes to those in the episode description. Um, so now, I, now that we've discussed your your personal life, obviously you guys aren't what you do for money. I want to get to know. Well, I know you guys. I want the audience to get to know you guys, like I do as human beings. So, tell me. If we're going to go out and do karaoke and we decide the rule is it's got to be Disney karaoke, what is your karaoke jam, Jess? I would do You're Welcome from Moana. Excellent. <laughs> I've gotten really good doing that song uh, while we've been at home because Logan uh, almost exclusively wants to listen to either Moana, Star Wars, or... 
Oh, uh, Jack Skellington. Those are his, that's his soundtrack. Right on. Okay. So <laughs> I, really, I, I should have him on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> he would love that. <laughs> it would be him showing I, you, you know, all his Legos. Oh, I, I love Legos. <laughs> uh, what, what I also love about Your Welcome is that because of the, the swagger of Maui, it, that'd be a hard song to be nervous while you're singing. Like if, if you've got the jitters right. a little bit, it's a character that kind of encourages you to puff out your chest a little bit and and, mm-hmm. and have some swagger uh noah what would be your your disney karaoke jam if, if we're out having a couple of these rum runners and and some jack the monkeys singing songs what what would you pick without a doubt uh immediately i thought of eye to eye the power line version from a goofy movie it's fantastic <laughs> it's brilliant. fantastic it's brilliant that that one uh would be up there for me if i wish i was a little bit more of a tenor because that one is uh on the upper upper part of my register to it's say up the very there <laughs> I, I gotta go into my falsetto for sure yeah. all right uh uh, Noah, uh, let's let's stick with you on this next one. Mount Mousemore. This is like Mount Rushmore, but with Disney Plus characters. So oh boy! Who would be on your Mount Mousemore? You need four. You need four. All right. Um, without a doubt, I got first one. I got to go with is uh, Han Solo. Definitely. Hey. Uh, I I got to put Han Solo up there. He's my favorite Star Wars character. Uh, man. Uh, second one. I think I'm gonna have to go with uh, with Max from a Goofy movie. I love it. I was I was raised Max on a Goofy Goof. movie, man. I'm just gonna. Uh, put it I all didn't out know there. this about you. Okay, see, a Goofy movie is one of my ab like seriously like all time favorite Disney movies. Maybe top five. I, I so I, it's we're, it's we're fantastic. This is, it's it's, it's what's one it's one about. It's it's like the best Disney movie, man. It's so good. So we've <laughs> got rated. Max and we've got Han Solo. Yep. I'd say Mike Wazowski. Mike Wazowski. Actually, our last episode was Monsters Incorporated. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I'm well-versed in the ways of Mike Wazowski. Mike uh, Wazowski. Mike, Han, and Max. Who's your fourth? Uh, fourth. Man, this one's going to be a tough one. Um, I feel like I'm going to go Marvel on this one because I've been, mar- been binge-watching a lot of Marvel movies recently. Um, honestly, Thor. Thor. Oh, Thor is awesome. Thor has grown so much throughout the MCU. I mean, like, exactly. you got, like, Ragnarok. Man, that movie is, oh, oh, so good. The best. All right, so you have a very, uh, you've got a very, like, machismo, testosterone heavy. I know. Mouth, Isn't mouth that part. so weird? <laughs> like, like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, I love it. It tells me, <laughs> I think you're a, you have an aspirational Mount Mousemore. I like that. Yes. <laughs> the most like Max of the ones you picked. All right. Uh, Jess, who's going on your Mount Mousemore? I have been thinking about this literally since the very first episode of Disney Plus Plus Ben Plus Friends. Um, I wrote mine down because I was like so excited about it that I was like, I, I went way too deep. Yes. <laughs> yes. I went way too deep. Oh, no. Um, see, you guys can't see this because this, this is an audio podcast, but we're on a video chat. Jess, there is a dry erase board behind you with with all sorts of red string, and it, have, this is you look like you haven't slept in weeks. It's a conspiracy. It's clearly, clearly, there's things hammered into the wall. <laughs> all right, so let's hear it. So I definitely went. I well, I don't know. I would say the opposite of what Noah did, because mine are all uh, girls. 
Okay. Okay. Um, so my first one, um, my ride or die, Ahsoka Tano. Yes. Oh yes. Okay. So no spoilers because I'm I'm sure there are at least a couple of our listeners who aren't current. But did, you saw the end of the Clone Wars. Oh yeah. Ooh, okay. Well, off mic, <laughs> off mic, we'll have to talk. Woo, woo, yep. woo, woo. Please do. Right. I am not cut up yet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my. All right. Ahsoka Tano, say no more. Okay. Yep. Uh, Princess Jasmine. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. She's got I that love very, so like, strong aura of, like, take no shit. I'm going to do yeah. what I want. I'm really smart. Right. Oh, absolutely. Like, we talked about Jasmine a lot on the Aladdin episode, surprise. Uh, and I think she might be my favorite Disney princess. I, she is such a, just a cool, I, I've, I've, if you're playing the at-home drinking game, here it comes again. I have like a weird Oedipal complex. My, my mom's this very smart, incredibly talented person. I married a woman who is a lot like my mom. Uh, Jasmine, like I think at a very young age, I was like, she's so confident and smart and cool. Like, like, <laughs> like. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we got Jasmine, we've got Ahsoka. Lilo from Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. Yes, definitely one of the contenders on mine for sure. Nice. Underrated. And who is your fourth? Esmeralda. Esmeralda for Hunchback. Okay. <laughs> wow. I like that one. <laughs> that This is, yeah. And I like this too. Uh, none of these characters takes anything from anyone. They're like, these are. Uh, all different stages of their lives, but uh, not not at all going to bend over for anybody. I, I love exactly. it. Exactly, exactly. But I see what you're saying because yours is almost the mirror version because it is like just as Noah's is kind of the like chest puffy, swaggery, uh, macho male. You have like the very strong. Uh, I need to talk to my psychologist about why I'm so attracted to them. Not Lilo. <laughs> uh, but, maybe, maybe, but, <laughs> maybe this is why me and Jess get along so well. We yeah, just compliment yeah, I each agree. other. You guys are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, <laughs> two sides of the same coin. All right. Well, I think that that's excellent. That's, that was a, a very successful icebreaker. I feel like the audience is very aware of who you guys are. So let's dig in to Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. This is the first of the Pirates franchise in pretty much uh, every way except for financial it's it's the most successful some of the later ones made even more money which is wild because this was a huge huge hit uh this this film was uh was pretty well received 79 percent from critics 86 percent on rotten tomatoes uh peter travers who writes for rolling stone one of my favorite film critics because i think he gets popcorn movies he was a little mixed on it gave it two out of four stars and said uh, this film buries its treasure mainly in Johnny Depp and eyeshadow and dreads as Captain Jack Sparrow and briny cliches. He basically found he loved Johnny Depp's performance, but that, uh, that parts of the story were lacking in imagination. And, and, and I, I, I hear that criticism. We can kind of talk about that as we get into it. Um, it was nominated for a, a handful of Oscars. It was nominated for Best Makeup, Sound Editing, Sound Mixing, Visual Effects, Best Actor in a Leading Role, Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow. And uh, it, it lost all of those. Uh, now, now here is a, an interesting thing to me. Actually, I have kind of two starting to get hung up on the Oscars. But I've got two, I think, things of merit regarding this film and the Oscars. The first is, it was not nominated for Best Score. Which and is Howard absurd. score is incredible. It's amazing. It's amazing. And, and to be frank, time... Um, 
Time has proven that to be the wrong move. Howard Shore for Lord of the Rings was who won, and he had already won for Fellowship of the Ring. So Howard Shore, who who did the uh, for Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, and of and of course the Return of the King, uh, he won two Oscars for the first and the third film, and ended up winning the Oscar this year. Danny Elfman's score for Big Fish, which don't get me wrong, great great score. Uh, Cold Mountain, Finding Nemo, House of Sand and Fog were all nominated, but I, I'm so sorry. I, I just really think that the score, and it was uh, by the German composer uh, Klaus Badelt, I, I really think that this is a mistake. This should have won best score that year. Kind of into discussion. That bump, bump, rump, bump, bump, bump. I mean, that is as iconic as, maybe not as iconic as Star Wars, but it's at least as iconic as Harry Potter. It's at least as oh, iconic. Oh, absolutely. I, I, so I, 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 I took notes during this and I literally wrote, the score is iconic. It's I, I kept iconic, along. And you know exactly what movie <laughs> yeah. it is. So, uh, so Klaus, uh, Klaus Badelt, if, if you listen to this podcast, you were robbed, okay? This is also the same guy who did uh, the score for Gladiator, Prince of Egypt, Ben Red Lion, so really talented guy. And then here's my other kind of tangent. I promise I'll stop talking about the Oscars since this isn't an Oscars podcast. Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow, and we will, we will get into this. We will sink our teeth into it. Maybe I should save this for later in the discussion. He should have been up for Best Supporting Actor, not Best Lead Actor. His agent or the producers or whoever fought for this, I think he has a much better chance at winning the trophy if it's Supporting Actor, because I would actually argue that Elizabeth is Elizabeth the main Swan, character. For sure. She's the main <laughs> character. And so I, that, that's, to me, going to be one of the great... So, he in, so here's the, this year... The best lead actor category is stacked. It's got Bill Murray in Lost in Translation and Sean Penn in Mystic River, who ended up winning. I think he has a much better shot going for supporting actor. And I don't know. So to me, that's like a great Oscar what if. That's that's just a little bit of context for this film. Made an insane amount of money and kicked off this, you know, this franchise that just seems to just keep on going. <laughs> so let's get in. <laughs> And let's talk about our favorite parts of Pirates of the Caribbean. I think we already hit one, which is Klaus Bedell's score. I mean, it's unreal. The, the score adds so much tension and adventure and suspense and horror. And it, it's a very versatile score. And I, it's hard to picture this movie with a different score. I mean, just as it's hard to picture it without Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow, it's, it's hard to picture this with any other composer behind the score what, what do you it's, guys think it's almost like uh like thinking about watching star wars without like the iconic john williams it, score. It, it's seriously in that ballpark I, I yeah i love it i absolutely love the score and it, it gives this sense of adventure and if i had to pick a a thread that is my favorite thing about this movie it's that this movie feels so adventurous you know at the time when this movie was getting made I think that there was this cynicism and this joke of like, you're turning an, an amusement park ride into a movie, but they did it really successfully. In fact, I don't know if you guys have ever been on the old Pirates of the Caribbean ride. This movie is way more exciting and thrilling <laughs> oh my than God. the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Like, it, yeah, I, I, there's just all the swashbuckling and the ships and everything. It, it's just so great. I, I don't know, just what, what would it, what, if you had to pick one or two, favorite parts uh, to get the ball rolling what, what's something that you just have to talk about when you're talking about this movie well I have two absolute favorite parts like 
entire scenes from the movie. Sure. Um, the first one is literally that opening scene when they're on the water and it's foggy. And yes. You, walk, you get up onto that boat and you see her standing there as like a, I don't know, eight or 10 year old. Yes. Um, yes. And it's just that like stark contrast between like her, like so like bright in the moonlight against the clouds and the water is so bright. Um, that part, like, every time man that just the very beginning of that movie um uh, the, the second part uh i think if, favorite. before we move on because i'd actually yeah. like to keep talking about that if you don't mind uh mm-hmm. i think that that moment where you see the ship burning there mm-hmm. is this very like caveman lizard brain thing that happens and, and and i'm suddenly i immediately know how dangerous and scary pirates are in this world like i it it's such a good way to establish the stakes of this film right away. Cause it's like these, these bad guys, they'll do absolutely anything. They like, like they will just, there are children on this boat and they will burn it down. And I I really think that that is a a really powerful moment. It almost reminds me of Mulan where they're they're, there. They've been singing. I want to say it's a girl worth fighting for. And they come up the hill and they see the village that's been destroyed and it it, it kind of reminds me of that just a little bit mm-hmm. uh, but yeah um, i'm glad you brought that up because um it definitely there's there's so much foreshadowing in this movie i like i can't uh even explain like every single part cuz it would go on forever um but that what you just said brings up the really good point that like they don't face consequences uh, right. you know, the, the crew of the black pearl um they don't face consequences for their actions so you know what they're doing they don't care uh, at all yeah what was the next part you wanted to uh, to talk about because um, I, so, I interrupted you I just I just had no, to bring up the fire <laughs> I, <laughs> fire <laughs> um, so the second one was uh, the part it's kind of towards the end of the movie when they're all in the cave the cavern yep, um, yep. and they figure out who uh, the, the kid that they really need is and the um, Barbosa. Barbosa, thank you. Oh, what a performance. <laughs> Captain what Barbosa performance. says, let's take a walk. And they yeah. start walking on the ocean floor. Yep, like, yep. Oh, <laughs> even if, like, the CGI kind of didn't age well, like, it's still such a cool but scene. But see, I would argue that the underwater CGI did age pretty well because yeah. my brain doesn't know what that looks like. So right. it, I all of the underwater stuff is so incredibly cool. And... I know that's not the movie we're talking about, but they really build upon that in the sequel because mm-hmm. th- there's like the whole army that's underwater and their ha- you know their hair's up yeah. and stuff. Uh, but I-, I am with you. That that moment's incredible. I actually think that entire moment where it, kind of that back third of the movie, a lot of it is in that cave, and there's it. It's so dark and creepy, and I love the, the what the moonlight does to like add just like a splash of kind of like a kind of a gunmetal color and. Uh, I, I just think one of the coolest things this movie does, and it does it so well, and it knows it does it well, is having really strategically placed light piercing through. So you'll see Barbosa talking, and then he'll walk through a moonbeam, and then half of his face turns undead, but mm-hmm. the other half isn't. And it's sort of like Two-Face from The Dark Knight. But like it keeps going in and out, and the fight scene between him and Jack when it's yes. oh, amazing. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that. Uh, so I know we're we're kind of talking about the ending up top, but who cares? Like that is one of the things that absolutely comes to mind for me. That fight scene between Jack and Barbosa is awesome. It's great. It is 
it is so cool and it's so well staged. I, I, I absolutely love it. Noah, what, what are some of your favorite parts of the movie? What's stuff you feel like you have to talk about? Um, I absolutely love that first uh, sword fight scene between Will Turner and Jack Sparrow. Yeah, speaking of choreography. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's like mousetrap. Like every little thing yeah. does something. Like, oh yep. my gosh. And then, and then even like the, like the dialogue just fits everything that's happening so well. And just like the, the fun little quirky things that Jack Sparrow will say just like during the fight. Um, like after Will Turner told him that he practices three hours a day with the swords and he's just like, <laughs> well, obviously you don't, yes. you don't have a woman or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, no, I love it. It's very Shakespeare. It, it's very like Shakespeare's comedies. Um, well, I mean, For it's sure. Kind of but like, like, do you bite my thumb uh, at me, sir? I do bite my thumb, but I do not bite my thumb at you. Then why do you, you know, like it's, it's very, uh, well, it's, it's smart because it makes us as a modern audience accept this is the 1700s without making the language super arcane. It's like a cheat code. Like the writers figured out like, oh, if we kind of mimic what Shakespeare does from like a, a cadence and yeah, repartee cadence. perspective, it feels like we're saying older things than we actually are. And they're, and they're really not. I, I absolutely love that. One of my favorite things about that particular scene is that Will is fighting with this freshly smithed sword. And yeah. so sparks are flying yes. as they're hitting it back and forth. I, I absolutely love that. Yeah, no, that is a very cool set piece and totally comes to mind. I think, uh, I don't know about you guys, this is a movie that I feel like a few years back, this was on TV a lot, or like, I, I, I have seen the first 30 or 40 minutes of this movie like 10 times more than I've seen the last hour and a half. Did you That's guys exactly have... how I felt. Okay, weird, weird. Or maybe, you know what I think it is too? And like, I know we're not all the same age. We've got a little bit of a range between three of us. I feel like this was a movie people would turn on like when you had like boy-girl hangouts and it would be yeah. on. And yeah. so like everyone would pay attention at first and then slowly but surely stop paying attention to it, you know? And maybe that's why, but it, it was funny to me because some of my favorite parts of the movie are in the, like in the back half. I mean, like we jumped right in talking about like that sword fight between Barbosa and just how cool that cave is and stuff. But I found that really interesting and I, I, I'm happy to hear I'm not alone. I, uh, I almost forgot like that last half of the movie that some of it was the same movie. Like watching it, again, I, I was like, wait, I thought this was like the second film. <laughs> and I will say, I'll tease this a little bit. When we talk about Buzzkill, and this maybe is a little bit too long of a movie, but I'm with you. I had kind of put some of the ending into the second movie. Some some of that in my head was part. It's Dead Man's Chest that's second. I think I think it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to talk about. Uh, I, I think there are are we've talked about Barbosa a teeny teeny bit, but I, I think that the three main characters of this movie, uh, Will, uh, Jack, and and Elizabeth are. Uh, I think they rule. And I think that I'm not going to compare this movie directly to star Wars. Cause it's not as good as a new hope, but it does a similar thing where you have the, like the, you know, idealistic farmer, you know, he's a blacksmith and this, not a farmer whose father has a dark path. You know I mean? Like there's a pretty clear analog between Luke Skywalker and Wilbur and um, you know, and will, and then you've got the, 
princess, you know, you know, a daughter of a diplomat who is tough as nails and can hold her on ground. And then you've got the charming as all get out swashbuckler who steals the scenes. And like, I mean, you can't help but see the parallels between those three characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and, and it, you know what? It works. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I, I totally agree with that. I also actually noticed a lot of similarities to like even the Princess Bride when I was watching it. Absolutely. Which like, got added to Disney Plus. So it's fair game for the podcast now. Exactly. So good. <laughs> so good. So excited. Yeah. So I'm, uh, let's break them down each one at a time. Um, I think the least interesting, as is often the case with this archetype, is Will. But I think that Orlando Bloom's performance is solid. We'll get to this a little bit later on on casting, and uh, there were some interesting almost castings off the heels of of Lord of the Rings. Th- this is a good era for Orlando Bloom. He's doing well for himself, and I think he holds his own in this in this role. What do you guys think? I think he was the perfect casting for this. He there's not any point in the movie where I thought to myself like, man, I really like this doesn't make sense or this doesn't feel right. I did make a note at one point. Oh, never mind. Another character. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, good. <laughs> but there was another character that I was like, mm, what about this? What about this actor? <laughs> pretty early on, they clearly must have realized Johnny Depp is going to totally steal the show. And so what you need is a totally, you know, inoffensive, good-looking guy with, with great hair. And I think Orlando Bloom more than does that. I think he's, he's got a couple of really good comedic quips and yeah. What were you saying, Noah? Yeah. I think, I think he fits that, uh, that, that person that they were looking for, for that. Yeah. Uh, I think without somebody like that, that's just kind of like level-headed, um, kind of just a kind of a normal person, but also a very good looking person. It kind of just nicely accents Jack Sparrow in a, I don't know, in a nice way. I think it gives Jack room to breathe. So, like, I, it's kind of like when, like, if you've got a really, really good lead guitarist, you want a rhythm guitarist who kind of like chills out a little bit and just lays down the chords. You know, I exactly. think that like if this movie were made today, I feel like someone like Zac Efron would get cast in this role. And Zac Efron is a funnier actor and a more, I mean, like, sorry, Orlando Bloom, I like you. I'm praising you as I'm saying this. A more interesting actor, and I kind of think it would be a bad choice because I think. That, that they would fight, not like literally fight, but I think they would <laughs> occupy some of the same airspace. I think it was a good choice to have somebody who's a little bit of a blank canvas in Orlando Bloom. Uh, how about Elizabeth Swan? What what an awesome character. What an awesome performance. Is, is this the Kira Knightley performance? Is this like the peak of, like, I'm not saying the peak of her career in, in a way to say that she's like a has-been or something, I, I but I mean like, <laughs> I think this is her best performance. I, I, it for me, it's I don't. This is really dark. Sorry, but like when she <laughs> dies and they do the like the in memoriam role uh, reel at the Oscars, you know, like I think they show her in Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. What What do you guys think? Yeah, I I really do think that this was like her her role that like if I think of Keira Knightley, I think of Elizabeth Swan. The only other thing that I can think of when I think of Keira Knightley is uh, her character in Bend It Like Beckham just because oh, I sure. I remember seeing that as a kid and it was just like a big movie for me because my mom would, uh, me and my mom would watch it all the time. But yeah. like, I think, when I think of Keira Knight- Knightley, I think of Elizabeth Swan. I uh, have a problem. I'm obsessed with Star Wars. So I always think of her as not 
uh, Queen Amidala. <laughs> I, I, made, I was going to say. That joke. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my girlfriend were watching it, and I totally made that joke. I was just like, wait, no, that's that's not that's not Padme. <laughs> yeah. And I just think it's such a good use of her range. I think that Kira Knightley is, uh, she's, and I want to be really clear. I'm not trying to look. Like, sometimes when we talk about movies and actors, we kind of talk about people like they're, objects a little bit and i mean i just did it to orlando bloom I, like i she's she's beautiful but her she does have a a body type that is not the most typical hollywood body type in the sense that it is i i don't this isn't the right word this is like an an outdated word but but a little bit a little bit tomboyish like like she has a a swagger about her that has a little bit of a, a like an androgyny to it and uh, what, I, what I am trying to say is that I think she weaponizes her beauty and also her androgyny just really, really well in this role throughout the entire movie. I mean, the whole bit with the corset is just great comedy, but it also tells us so much about her, you know? And I like, I, I love like the line, like, uh, well, it's all the rage in London. It's like, well, women in London must have learned how to breathe differently. And, and I love that, like, it actually ends up causing her to faint and fall off of a cliff you know she's like i i can't breathe you know and falls and, and <laughs> I, I, I just think i think it's perfect casting it's perfect and i think she earns it too it's not just perfect casting it's also that on top of the already perfectly casted performance we, we, we see a, an actor reaching deep inside of her to to really rise and I, it's a true movie star performance so i i don't know i ended up in the weeds there a little bit but i i do you guys know what i mean Mm-hmm. Okay. I know exactly. sure. <laughs> Sorry to do this to you, Jess, but thank you. I'm glad a woman was like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> you can keep <laughs> Ben. You can keep I, talking. I didn't disagree man with a single big. point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> so uh, now it's 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 the elephant in the room. Uh, it, it, Jack Sparrow. Jack Sparrow. Yep. Now, like, okay, <laughs> obvious. There's like this huge asterisk that Johnny Depp is, by all accounts, probably not a very great person. We're talking, I think, here about this performance. I think we're talking about Jack Sparrow, this fictional character, and this performance. So I, I, I want to acknowledge that up top because from this point on, I'm pretty much going to continue to praise this guy who has done some really awful stuff. End of discussion there. But this performance, I believe to be one of the best character acting roles and performances in the history of Hollywood. I mean, top 10. Do you, what am I overact? Like I'm talking Han Solo. I'm talking Heath Ledger's The Joker. I think it's that caliber. Feel free to disagree. What do you guys think? No, I 100% agree. Um, not only because it's I again, it's just so incredibly iconic. Um, the minute that you see that image, you know exactly what it is. You know exactly who he is. Um, but the fact that he also like dresses up in character to visit like kids in like hospitals yes um you know that's something that like people want people wish for they because they know that character they love that character so much and and that's good and you know people are capable of multitudes and you're absolutely right he has also done some really wonderful things with this gift absolutely i i I think that from the 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 moment we see him so he comes in and he, he takes his hat off for the hanged pirates. He sinks his ship deliberately to dock it and then like <laughs> calmly walks onto the dock. And I've seen this 
first, like I said, I, I don't know how many times I've seen this movie, but I've definitely seen the first half hour more than the other. Probably 10, 15, 20 times. My mouth was agape. It, it's incredible. Danny's just walking out there, and, and then they immediately are like, it's, a, it's one shilling to Doc. What's your name? And he says, what do we say to three shillings? And we forget the name. <laughs> Mr. Smith. It's, it, it's so great. Well, and also, that's that in, in classic Hollywood, that, that's Bond, James Bond. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead, it tells you so much about who this guy is. Instead of looking into the camera and winking, he's like, I'm going to pay you more money so you don't know who I am. It's just a, an incredible introduction to a character. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, very shortly after that, we get the fight scene with, or, with, uh, with Will that you talked about. And he, he's just incredible. I think that they do a really great job of sprinkling out his lore. And, and, and how, how we know him and what we know about him. How far into the movie is it before we find out that he's a, a zombie, basically? I mean, I mean, I mean like, an well, hour... Well, that doesn't happen until he goes into the cave. He steals the, yeah. piece, the piece Oh, of you're right. You're right. You're right. That's um, right. I did also want to point out something else. Um, so uh, when he goes in to dock his boat, he didn't do it deliberately. It was because his boat was already, like, flooding. Remember, he had, like, the bucket, and he was, like, throwing water, so he just, like, I've never, oh my gosh. Like, Fuck it, whatever. <laughs> I've never, I feel so stupid. I've never, put, I, I have always thought, okay. I've always thought that it was like just this crazy baller move that he's like, I'm just going to destroy this ship. Well, I figure it's not his boat anyway. You know what I mean? Like, like it's kind of like how I play Grand Theft Auto. Like I get to my destination and then I just leave my car in the middle of traffic, you know, but oh, you're yeah. right. it's already sinking. <laughs> And he sells it so effortlessly. I think like, I think yeah. my favorite part about that scene specifically too is like the first time you see him, you see him on top of uh like literally the on mast. top of, of the mast. Yeah. He's on top <laughs> of the mast and he's just sitting there and you think he's on this giant ship. It just like the right. way they filmed it, it makes it look so big. And then they show it and he's just on this little dinghy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of great visual comedy like that throughout the whole movie. Yeah. I no, that's that's wonderful. I I think that um, the scene where okay, so Elizabeth falls off into the water because she's wearing the doubloon. It sends out like this ripple. The pirates of the you know the crew of the Black Pearl know where she is. Also, really quick, one thing I do want to say, I just think it's really cool that the movie's called The Curse of the Black Pearl. And when I saw that title, I assumed it was going to be about like a a piece of treasure, and that that instead that it ends up being the name of the boat is just a that's cool. Like, like I don't have another, I don't have a smart observation about it. That's just cool. <laughs> that's like, that's neat. Uh, but, but I love when the crew shows up and the winds start to change and it gets dark and there's just this sense of doom and dread. Mm-hmm. And it's very effective visual storytelling and, and the pirates showing up. I love all of that. How do you guys feel about broad question, but like, like, the Black Pearl itself and the crew of the Black Pearl. Like, what are what are your favorite crew members, parts of that, etc.? Et well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the names of them. Honestly, those two guys. Um, <laughs> oh, the, the uh, one, uh, uh, Pentel and 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 Rigetti. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the fact that like the entire uh, prop comedy of him losing his eye all the time, over and, and over again, pop yep. it back in. <laughs> And uh, to me, like when I see them, I like that. That was the first thing that made me think of Princess Bride. Was I was like, is this Fezzik and and Vizzini? Like it just, 
sure, without sure. a doubt felt like that. And again, pretty Shakespeare to have like one or two kind of clown jester characters who are just kind of lurking around in the sides. Yes. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that they like, cause they're very background characters, but they also play like pretty important roles um in the entire plot of the movie because you know they're the ones that find elizabeth and she's the one that they parlay to or that she parlays to and you know well, kind of always there throughout the whole movie like at kind of important points and i mean i think one of the best quotes of the whole movie is uh we know you're in there, Puppet. Puppet. <laughs> Hello, Puppet. I, I, I've got to be honest. I think that that is not attributed. How, how, what am I trying to say? In the zeitgeist, I, I hear people say, Hello, Puppet, a lot. Like, that's a frequently quoted line from it's this movie. It's something that stuck around, definitely. Oh, yeah. I don't think people remember that that's from this movie. I think, I think that, like, the next time you hear someone say, Hello, Puppet. Ask them what that's from, and I, I bet there is like a 8 out of 10 chance that they don't know what it is. Maybe I'm wrong, but when that happened, I was like, oh my gosh, I say that all the time. I forgot that that was this movie, but it, it's, uh, it's they also, while we're talking about those two and a good quote, I also love strap to cannon to bootstraps, bootstraps. It reminds me of Timmy and Tommy Nook from uh, from Animal Crossing. (laughs) Bootstraps, boots, bootstraps, bootstraps. I I just, oh man, so good. Well, the the Black Pearl is so cool. I mean, the boats in this movie are cool. So I'm not a boat. I'm not a boat guy. Oh, there you go. (laughs) I'm not a boat guy, but I am when I'm watching this movie the way that the boats move in the ocean and the ship to ship combat i mean there's this moment uh about about an hour and a half two hours in when the black pearl and the dauntless are like side by side and there's like a lot of like cannon fire and it's ship to ship combat the way that you would like it's almost like a video game scene there's a lot of really good moments in this movie that feel like a video game it's like assassin's creed Yes, Assassin's Creed, uh, Sea of Thieves, like it, it, and it's it's really uh, well. Actually, it, I guess we'll kind of get to this in trivia, but the Monkey Island uh, franchise did serve as an influence for this. But that that ship to ship combat is just really cool and guttural. Don't my ship. <laughs> yes, right. Oh, oh man, I just absolutely love that. I think that for a movie about pirates to really work. It has to make you forget that pirates are bad people. Like, that pirates are criminals and violent, horrible criminals. And it has to instead, it has to become a role-playing experience. And it does such a good job of taking Jack, who is a scoundrel, but much like Han Solo, has a heart of gold. I mean, one of the first things we see him do is save Elizabeth Swan. He has a save the cat moment right away, you know. It shows us you can trust this guy more than more than you can't, you know. And then you've got two non-pirates, although one kind of is a legacy pirate, and then Elizabeth kind of has the heart of a pirate, but she's she's not. And they what it does is it, it it's a role playing thing. It, it it's like a D and D session that kind of tricks you into slowly becoming a pirate yourself. And then by the time you get to the last hour of the movie or so, I mean, like you you feel so invested, and I I, I just. I, I think that that's maybe the greatest magic trick of this film is the degree to which it makes me feel like a pirate when I'm watching it. I love that. 
Mm-hmm. It definitely romanticizes the idea. And especially that, like, that, that very final end scene where um, Elizabeth is talking to her dad about, like, him very loosely um, approving of their, like, marriage, uh, or at least their, like, courtship. Yes. Um, when he says, like, well, he is a blacksmith, and she says, no, he's a pirate. Yep. <laughs> and it's true. By that point, he really is. Uh, both by lineage and in action yeah Yeah. no i i love that i and when i love the ending and i I love jack getting you know to to be the the captain of the black pearl and uh and then that last line is incredible drink up me hearties yes now now bring me that horizon you know and that that rules the band i guess i probably should say this for trivia the band bring me the horizon is named after that quote that the kind of emo core grind core cool. uh band i i, uh, I, I did not even it. know that bring That's me the scary. horizon they're named after that last line because he says now bring me that horizon so they changed yeah. it a little bit but uh do you guys have any other parts that you have to talk about before we move on to the awards and categories um as we were talking about uh the ship battles yes. i immediately thought of uh the scene with the interceptor and the dauntless where they are on the dauntless and uh do the uh, entire thing of like, oh, we're going to steal this boat, but actually we're trying to steal the Interceptor. Oh, yes. The, yeah, it's, the, it's, it's very Ocean's Eleven. It's like they snuck a heist movie in the middle of this. Oh, yeah. This, a Kansas you know, City shuffle, if you will. A Kansas City exactly. shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, you're right. That is a really great set piece, and it, it's really great. Uh, it gives us a chance to get to know uh, the crew that Jack has assembled a little bit i i yeah. like that a lot um you know what as as you said that i don't know why but it did cause me to remember a thing i wanted to say about jack but forgot to is i love the running joke of women slapping him i, I oh yes yeah. i think it's exceptional because it's funny and it's ultimately harmless although it's, it's very shakespeare it's incredibly shakespeare oh yeah but i i think what i really like about it is that it gives um I don't quite want to say gravity or stakes because it's so silly, but like it does, it shows permanence to his action. He's treated people poorly and he is at least getting somewhat of a karmic punishment for it, which kind of like lets us be off the hook a little bit. Uh, Off the hook. Uh, (laughs) Pirates. That's Peter Pan. Uh, For rooting for a scoundrel, you know, like, so like I love Scarlet, slap. I'm not sure that I deserve that. Giselle, (laughs) slap. I may have deserved that. And then when he, uh, yeah, just so good. So, Jess, any other parts you have to talk about before we move on to the categories and awards? I think we hit all the parts that I wanted to really talk about. Yeah. Um, I Well, following on, just kind of tacking on to the end of that, uh, that they continue on with that storyline through to the at least the second movie. I don't remember about the third one because I haven't watched it in a while. Um, with the whole, like, karmic retribution of, like, getting slapped by people. Yeah. They just continue on throughout the, the next movie. And I, that's, that really just, it, it ties the series together and it ties together, like, what you know about Jack. Um, it adds, I just think it's hilarious. Totally. It's, it's funny <laughs> and it adds a degree of permanence. I, I like that. I guess one last thing I just have to say that, I don't know if we've said it articulately, but, like, zombie pirates are, are so cool. Like, I, I it, <laughs> like, well, it's just a cool concept. It's a cool movie. It's a cool movie. Disney, up until this point, and you, there's some outliers Disney hadn't really done like cool movies for grownups 
when this came out. Disney had done feel-good sports movies for grown-ups, like Remember the Titans, that, that are fantastic, yeah. incredible movies. They hadn't done cool movies. Not, not really. Not under the Disney umbrella. And this movie, I think, is a real turning point for them because they realize, whoa, if we get a really good cast and make a solid PG-13 adult movie that's, like, not so adult that, I don't know, like, I think five and six-year-olds might get scared a little bit, but, like, there's not a lot of blood or, like, you know, like, it's not, as far as PG-13 movies go, it's 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 fairly tame. And I, I think they realized how much money could be made there. And then uh, shortly after this, they end up buying Marvel Studios because they're like, hey, when we put movies out that aren't about sports, men ages 13 to 100 don't come watch the movies. How do we fix that? And you kind of have pirates to think for the entire MCU. And I think that's kind of just like a, a fascinating part of this movie's legacy that I, I don't know, maybe I could have fit that in one of the categories, but I wasn't sure where to, but <laughs> I, I, I don't know. So uh, let's move on to uh, the different awards. Let's talk about the zippity doodah moment. It happened on one of them zippity doodah days. So the zippity doodah moment is what has aged the worst. It doesn't have to be that it's problematic. It can simply be that it, didn't hold up um i'll start we praised him a little bit but remember like how we had like a thing for orlando bloom there for like a while like mm. oh yeah good look <laughs> uh, he's good looking but like that that moment maybe maybe not not in the movie so much as just outside of it like orlando bloom's moment seems weird in the arc of history overall He's a fine actor. He's he's handsome. He's much better looking than I am. But I I I don't know. That to me hasn't aged perfectly. It's uh, thoughts. Feel free to disagree. I I I don't know. I I think compared to like Ryan Gosling, who's about the same age, the attraction of Orlando Bloom hasn't helped up as well. I think to me, Orlando Bloom feels like a uh, like a fever dream. Yeah, <laughs> we're right because he's not in stuff a whole lot these days. Yeah, exactly. you're right. Like it's like yeah, he hasn't done anything in was, so long. Was there a guy exist? that like we, we all wanted to bone for six years and then he just kind of vanished? That happened, right? Where did he go? <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm glad you at least hear me on that a little bit. Uh, I also have the uh, the the totally CG pirates that are above water in in too much light haven't aged well some of them look pretty fake and mm -hmm. it's a bummer because yeah. i would say that actually the special effects for this movie are fantastic i would say that like that kind of mouse trappy stuff we talked about where like you know there's like levers swinging around and, and people cutting ropes and flying and trapeze and stuff and the cannons and ultimately the ultimately i do think the zombie pirate stuff works really well because they take advantage of dark and and shadow and things like that but there are a couple of moments where the pirates are in too much like bright moonlight and they don't trick my brain anymore what do you guys think I would absolutely agree with that. Um, and it, yeah, it ties back to the uh, underwater pirates because that was done so well um, that like the like the two guys in the boat that are the decoy, or they're yes. wearing the dresses and stuff. Right, uh, right, right. It, that once they like reveal themselves to be, you know, the zombie pirates, you can see that it's just so like obviously fake. 
Um, so yeah, just to kind of in agreement with what you were saying that to tie that in. Um, it, it's, it's really strange how, like how CGI, like at least back then when it was like so lit up, like the effect was just so worn out. Um, yeah. Because there were some parts of this movie where I was just like, man, this is so good for 2003. But then there were other parts where I was just like, nah, this is so 2003. <laughs> I, I, I totally agree. Uh, I, I do think an interesting thing to think about when you talk about CGI is that I, I, I was listening to a podcast um, that, that basically said there is this phenomenon that people who work at paint stores can see and identify more colors than people who don't work at paint stores and people who like, for example, live in Siberia or Northern Alaska can see more shades of white than people who don't because of all the snow. And that I think our brains actually do a similar thing with CGI where we've seen so much of it and we've seen better versions of it now that it just slowly erodes. Like each year that CG gets a little better we lose one year on the back end where it still tricks our brain. Like, like yeah. go back and watch an absolute masterpiece film, Toy Story 1, and focus on the animation. The textures do not hold up at all. The, the physicality and the physics and stuff like that hold up really, really well. But the, the, the textures do not hold up very well at all, even compared to Toy Story 2. And I, I think that that's a weird thing that happens, but I, I don't know. It's strange. It's very strange. Yeah. Uh, anybody else have a, a zippity doo moment, something that hasn't aged well? I think I, we hit it. I, I think, like, yeah, I, I, I was impressed that for a, a movie that's about romanticizing pirates that there wasn't too much, like, yeah. from, like a PC angle that was, like, offensive or anything. Yeah, like they that. didn't do any, like, uh, actual raping. There was right. no, like... I, I guess I'll say Yeah, that, like, when Jack Sparrow makes the joke, he makes it as a joke. Like, there are, uh, considering that we're in the Caribbean, also, maybe this is the time for this side tangent. Does anybody else... I only call it the Caribbean when I'm talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. And yes. In any other context, I call it Caribbean, Caribbean. And I don't understand what that means. What is happening? The uh, I, I'm not joking. Uh, uh, in the beforeentine, uh, the 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 land before all of this, I was talking to a coworker and I referred to this movie as Pirates of the Caribbean, and he like mansplained was like, I think you mean Pirates of the Caribbean, and I'm like, it's the <laughs> same word. What, uh, oh God. But uh, I okay, sorry. Anyway, I guess I was about to say uh, the the three of us are quite uh, probably worth noting that. For a movie that takes place in the Caribbean, it's not a lot of color uh, yeah. in, in the palette. Yeah. Maybe that's what doesn't age super well. Uh, yeah, all right. definitely. So, they do address that in well, the second movie. But they that's do address that in the second about. one. Yeah, You're yeah. absolutely right. Um, all right, so let's move on to Sadness is Buzzkill. Questions? Guy, you could get lost in there. Think positive. Okay. I'm positive you will get lost in there. So these are plot holes, nitpicks, things that Sadness from Inside Out would mention if she was talking about this movie. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and say I, my big nitpick is that I think this movie is 20 minutes too long. I don't know that I have like specific scenes that I want you to like come at with like a machete, but I just think that this movie could use some general tightening up. Am I totally out walking the plank by myself on this one? Or did, did you guys, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like it just kind of drags on, especially towards the end. 
Yeah, I did. I There was a part where I was just sitting there and I was just like, man, I am still watching this part of this movie. And I don't remember mm-hmm. what it was, but I remember just being like, huh, this just seems so long. I can tell you exactly when I had that thought. And it was uh, in the cave scene when they're like fighting and fighting and fighting. Yes. After that, I was like, oh God, there's still more to this movie. Oh, Ugh. yeah. As good as that cave scene is, it it's, it goes on too long. And then I think also for me, we know they're not going to hang Jack at the end. Right. So I kind of think if you're going to cut something, that's what you cut. Like no one is fooled by that. Like yeah. no one, like I, I don't it's, think it's, little it's honestly, kids aren't fooled by that. The, the, this movie does not end with the hero getting hanged because of past grievances. I like, like, there's no way. And and yeah. so I think you need I think that there is those last 10 minutes could be retooled. Um I don't know. It, it, it's pretty nitpicky cuz it's a it, pretty dope movie, but that that's it honestly feels mine. like that scene honestly feels like a uh, a scene just to like show off or to like show Will Turner's love for Elizabeth Swan and then also show off his sword throwing again. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I feel like both have been established by then. Uh any other buzzkills? If there weren't any other movies, you would never know why the Black Pearl was so important. Yes, yes, agree. Yeah. I'm fine with movies leaving mysteries, but I agree that that teeters on, like, how is there not one sentence like uh, about why it's so important? I, yeah, I would, they, they give they give no sense of direction in that. It's just like this is this is what it is, and you're gonna have to deal with it for the whole movie. Yep. Mm-hmm. No. I agree. That's a good one, Jess. I like that a lot. All right. The Mr. Potato Head Award. Hey, Ham. Look, I'm Picasso. I don't get it. You uncultured swine. What are you looking at, you hockey puck? So so this is um, for whoever does the most with the least screen time. This is a character who probably teeters on, if this movie weren't so long, I don't think this character would count. But I think this character counts I think it's Jeffrey Rush as Barbosa. I, I I know he is the main villain, but if you really look at how many minutes he's on screen, he's not in it that much. My guess would be out of this out of this you know over two hour long movie, I think he's only on screen for about twelve or fifteen minutes total screen time. And his posture's incredible, his vocal choices are incredible. He's so menacing. I mean what I love about his performance is when you think about villains, a lot of the time in other movies, a villain has a moment where they do something truly cutthroat to earn your respect. Like I'm thinking about like when the Joker just slams that guy's head into the pencil and the pencil goes through his eye Uh, and and you're just like, Oh my gosh, Barbosa doesn't have that moment. And yet you still respect him because of how, you know, I think he he does, but in an opposite kind of, uh, oh, life. tell me, tell me, tell me. Um, so when he's like at dinner with Elizabeth in the cabin. Oh, you know what? You're and right. And she's yeah. sitting there and she's just going crazy on food. And he's like, here, try this. Now try this. Now try this. And then she just drops it. And she said, it's poisoned. And he said, uh, I forget exactly what he said, but basically like, why would I, there's no point in, in poisoning you. Yeah, I, I'm I not think gonna, that's exactly what he I'm says. I'm going to kill you. you know yeah, 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 yeah. 
Oh man, I oh, do love that. I, I do love that scene where he just like holds the green apple, and it's just so symbolic of Disney. Yes. It's just like... Oh, so right, right, exactly. That's one of the best scenes of the whole movie. And that's see, like I specifically skipped out on Barbosa when I was talking about my favorite parts because I, I I am strongly nominating him for Mr. Potato Head Award. I'm campaigning for him. And uh, I think also the moment where the reveal of of the zombie pirates to especially like specifically to Elizabeth where he says, you, you best start believing in, in ghost stories. You're in one. And then the, the moonlight hitting and the reveal, that is one of the coolest parts of the whole movie. That's a great line. Is it cheesy? Yeah, it's cheesy. That's Shakespeare's cheesy. That's I mean, like, this movie is so clearly riffing on Shakespeare, and I, I, I don't know. I just think, I think it's Barbosa. Do you guys think he's in it too much to count for Mr. Potato Head? Nope, that's who I was going to nominate. Yes, yes. For sure. No, is this a unanimous? This is. I'm honestly on board for that. I think this is a podcast first. The unanimous Mr. Potato Head Award. Congratulations, Barbosa. (laughs) It's like, yes, all around, three votes. Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm getting kind of emotional over here. It's like the first 11 minutes of Up. I will say, if you were going to fight me on him, I was going to throw in Anna Maria, played by a very young Zoe Saldana. Well, not very young, but like oh, yeah, an early yeah. Zoe Saldana, who I think does a lot with like four lines. I, she's She is uh, a, a, a character you definitely remember. And I love that she ends up... Uh, she ends up getting to be the captain of the Interceptor at the end, right? I mean, yeah. like... like mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love that. So um, next is the Stan Lee Award for Best Cameo. Is there like a, a, I don't know if there's a celebrity cameo. I mean, like the next one, it's Keith Richards as, yeah. as Jack's yep. dad. Uh, it doesn't have to be a celebrity. It could just be like a character who has one line that you really like. I like the donkey in the blacksmith uh, pretty early on. Uh, <laughs> and, and then uh, he probably is in it just a little bit too much, but just because he's so cute and we haven't talked about him except for in reference to Noah's drink, Jack the Monkey. I mean, Jack. Uh, what What do you guys think? Do you have any picks? Oh, you I know mean, what? I'm gonna say the blacksmith because you know what? No, no, no. I, I actually, yeah. I have mine. I have it. I have it. I have it. Because I think it's even less than Jack the Monkey. Mister Cotton and Mister Cotton's parrot. That's that's my pick. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I I love I love the parrot at the end. Okay, the the part I do love about the last scene is that the parrot is just flying around. Oh, no, 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 no. I want to be clear that like that hanging scene and stuff is good. I think that when we were talking about how we think that in our brains are that we kind of blur the first two movies together, that should have been the opening of the second movie. Like, like, oh, yeah, the opening of the second movie should have been like, oh, we're going to hang Jack. And it's like, oh, what do you do this time? You know, uh, yeah. But yeah, Mr. Cotton and Mr. Cotton's parrot. That, that's a Stanley Award. All right. Boba Fett for the award for coolest toy. I'm a sucker for vehicles, and so I'm just going to go with a black pearl that's big enough to hold my action figures. I want Michelangelo (laughs) and Chewbacca and Kylo Ren and Jack Sparrow to all be able to sail on this. Uh, It doesn't necessarily need to be buoyant. It doesn't have to be a pool toy, but I I do want just a a, a black, uh, black pearl. It's got like a little bit of a captain's quarters, like that that scene with with Barbosa and and Elizabeth. I want there to be like a, a little bit of a captain's quarters with like a table with some plastic food on it and some some cannons that shoot <laughs> balls. But uh, to to me, that's the coolest toy you can have. Uh, how about you guys? I want like a table size Lego like cutout of the cave. So I want like 
the cave oh, roof. Yep, that's and yeah. And I want like the back of the cave, and I want everything inside. I want like stalactites and stalagmites, and I want pools and just gold everywhere, and I want all the little Lego figures everywhere of all the different. You like, know what would be really cool is if you could have a brick that has a black light in it and have that, pieces that are painted so that when the black light's on, they that look like That is what zombies. I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh. I was thinking of something like that where like you could actually like, once light hits it, it changes into a zombie. Disney, are you listening? Lego, are you listening? <laughs> we, I think I speak for all of us that we will give this idea for free if we each get one of these. Am I right? Oh, heck yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yep. no. Without a doubt. <laughs> so cool. Oh, I love it. Oh, my God. All right. That's the best toy, clearly. Jeez. All right. So uh, for this next segment, we're going to Disney World. Something I've wanted to say my whole life. I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> Can I go with you? Yeah, you can. All right. So. If the Imagineers hired us to develop a, a, a theme park attraction based on Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> what would we do? I have, okay, here's my concept. So it's in Adventureland and it's a dark ride and you're on a boat and you kind of just go from scene to scene and there are these pirates of the Caribbean. And then after the movie comes out, they add Jack Sparrow in. What do you guys think? That would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So my real answer is, I think you do a, uh, I think you do a tavern that's right by the Pirates of the Caribbean ride that is like live entertainment of like pirate bands with accordions and like <laughs> the Jolly Rogers and like fun, like uh, fun actual rum drinks for for mom and dad, but then like you know, like a pineapple with a bunch of sugar juice in it for, for the kids. And, and just like, kind of like the, just the fun sanitized version of, of pirates that, that we want. I, I feel like that is, uh, is, is what it needs. Cause the ride, look, the ride's not the most exciting ride ever, but it's still yeah. like a pretty classic, cool ride. So instead of like knocking it down, I, I like the idea of let, let's, let's build a tavern that, um well okay what's the name what it's not tortuga is it tortuga is that tortuga is where they're where they're at yeah he met up with um why can't they give his name what is his name but tortuga is the name of the restaurant Tor like it's tortuga is the name of the island no oh, sorry i mean in, in disney world in my head oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah right uh oh no uh the isle of tortuga that's always in my brain because <laughs> the, uh the lonely islands jack sparrow which uh holy crap you guys have seen that right gibbs sorry i got it gibbs, yep, gibbs. Yep. <laughs> wait 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 have you guys seen the lonely island song jack sparrow oh yes I, yeah oh my gosh I, everybody who's listening <laughs> pause the episode and go watch that if you have <laughs> basically the premise is michael bolton is gonna do a song with with the lonely island and they're doing like a rap song about being cool and hanging out in the club and then every time it gets to the chorus uh, Michael Bolton sings about Jack Sparrow and then he changes movies as it goes on. It's incredible. Uh, I'm going to have to watch it now that I've mentioned it. Uh, <laughs> Man, I haven't seen that in so long. Uh, do you guys have any other Disney World attractions? I want there to be like an obstacle course style uh, attraction that like kind of mimics that scene uh, with Jack and um, Will in the blacksmith. Yeah, the mouse trappy. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there could be a cool, there's, 
you know, they have those like kind of like f- they call them four D movies where like your seat moves. That's and what stuff. I was yes. thinking about. Kinda, like, yes. I, like there might be a way to do like a soar in California kind of thing, but like yeah, that I you're think there's like, a way to ship. do that. Like you're in a ship and you can like shoot all the things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and like yeah, I think there's a way to do that. I think that's a very cool concept. I because I do think that's the the really exciting part of the movie. Okay, if this movie were turned into a Disney musical, what are some parts that you just have to see as songs? I think the reveal of, I mean, I think the name of the song is, or maybe not the, the, the name of the song is Ghost Story. And then the hook of the song is like, you best start believing in ghost stories. You're living in one. Oh, yeah. But, you know, like, uh, and, and just the reveal that they are zombies. I think if you do hand-drawn animation, you could do some creepy, weird, gross, like the way that their flesh hangs off. Like, it probably wouldn't be rated PG. It'd probably be scary as all hell. But <laughs> uh, I, I just think that number would be really, really cool. And then I also think that Elizabeth and Will could have a really fun, like, you know, there's like that kind of like a whole new world love duet. I can show instead, you the pirate world. Instead, it's about... <laughs> It's about how they're both getting off on how exciting this is. Like, like, yeah. like, uh, like, it's kind of like, you know, um, I, I think there's this, there's this, the psychological, uh, psychological phenomenon called trauma bonding, which is like basically that, like, if you're on <laughs> early in a relationship with someone and you go through like a trauma, you're more likely to like truly love them because like your brain's wires get all crossed. So, like, if you're like on a first date and you're on like a bridge that collapses and you save your date, you're going to get married. And so I, I, I kind of like, I kind of like the idea of the trauma bonded a whole new world. Personally. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, what do you, how about you guys? Any scenes that you have to see in the Disney musical of this? I think that it would be really interesting to see. So that first scene where, when they're adults and Will brings the, the uh, sword Ooh, yes. to the governor yes. and she comes down the, the stairs in that brand new dress and he's, Oh, good day, Miss Swan. And she says, how, how many times do I have to tell you? Call me Elizabeth. And he says, at least once more, Miss Swan. So <laughs> she gets all upset about that. I think that whole So part- Princess Bride-esque right there, I'm mm-hmm. telling you. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Honestly, I want to see something with the, uh, the worst, best pirate I've ever seen. <laughs> I want there to be just like a whole song where uh, it's him and uh, it's Norrington and uh, his oh. counterpart. And they're both like talking, like he's like, he's the best pirate. He's the worst pirate. Yes, there's, it's like, it's like Gaston, but they, instead of constantly bragging about how great Jack is, they're always talking about times he's screwed up. Like, it's yes. like, no one screws up like Jack Sparrow. <laughs> like, almost gets hanged like Jack Sparrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, yes, that's incredible. I, and then he has this, you know, braggadocious energy throughout it all. I love yes. that. <laughs> all right. So uh, casting, what ifs, casting, uh, you know, it, remixes, et cetera. Uh, so th- I think the one that's really fascinating that I, once I read it, I couldn't unread it. And um, I, it, this is going to, I feel like I'm coming across as hard on Orlando Bloom in this. And I'm not trying to. Uh, Heath Ledger and Orlando Bloom were the last two people considered for the role. And the the director ended up uh, basically going with uh, um, with Orlando Bloom uh, because of Lord of the Rings, because he heard that he was going to be in these Lord of the Rings movies, and Heath Ledger at the time hadn't really done anything action. And I think Heath Ledger, now I 
I know I'm contradicting myself a little bit in the sense that I said that I do like that Orlando Bloom is such a blank slate and doesn't get in the way of Johnny Depp. Orlando, Orlando Bloom is great at that. There's no question. I think that Heath Ledger was such a good actor that even though he's a very interesting actor, I think he would find a way to not distract from Johnny Depp. And I do think this movie is better. I'm sorry if Heath Ledger is Will Turner. Now, of course, you know, with the tragic events of our real world, who knows what happens to the franchise if that happens. But uh, what do you guys think? If, you, if, if I made you pick right now, you go to Orlando or Heath? Uh, it's just so hard for it's me hard. to... It's so hard for me to not see Orlando Bloom in it, but like honestly, seeing Heath Ledger, I feel like I feel like I would have gained a, like a respect for Heath Ledger like way sooner than I would have. Yeah. So, have you guys ever seen A Knight's Tale? Yes. It's one of my absolute favorite movies. I, I love I love A Knight's Tale. It's so good. I I think I'm picturing his character in that in this, and I think it's a better movie personally. Jess, yeah, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Before I get into it, uh, <laughs> I have to preface with um, Heath Ledger is like my all-time like celebrity crush forever and ever. Amen. Um, I have little like pins with his face. Yeah. On them. <laughs> what a face! Um, what a face! That being said, I don't think that he would have been a better Will. Okay. Uh, okay. Because of the points that we brought up earlier that like he, yeah, he's a blank slate and he was very like easily molded to be what he needed to be. Yeah. I think that like with my own like personal feelings about Heath Ledger, <laughs> I think that it would have been like too hard to like separate the character from the real human for me. That's fair. I hear, I hear that. And I definitely agree with you that if we're going for points on blank slate, it's uh it's definitely it's, it's Orlando Bloom in a landslide. Yeah, but in a landslide. Yeah. And, and and I think that's an important trait in actors. Keanu Reeves is a blank slate. That's part of why he's had such an amazing career. Tom Cruise is a blank slate. That's part of why he's had such a great career. Um, okay, I, I didn't have any other casting what ifs. I it seems like mostly Disney got exactly who they wanted. Let's let's do uh, best quotes that we haven't said so far, and then we'll kind of start to wrap up. So uh the one that we haven't said yet that is the quote of the movie, I think. Uh, it, even more than Hello Puppet is, why is the rum gone? <laughs> <laughs> that entire scene is so funny. It's so great. I love, you know, we, we, we get this moment where they almost kiss and they don't, which I really like because it, it reminds me a little bit of uh, in the more recent movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there's the, the hippie chick who's trying to hook up with Brad Pitt and he's like, how old are you? And she's like, I'm 17. And he's like, then I'm not hooking up with you. Uh, like, like it, it, it teaches us a lot about Jack Sparrow that even though, you know, he's tempted and she's tempted and they're both drunk, he, he doesn't go for it. I, I think that's a really great moment. And I, uh, I just the explosions, the rum's blowing up and it's huge. And, and then the, the repeat, she has all these good reasons why everything's on fire. And he's like, he's like, okay, sure. I see why you set everything else on fire. Why is the rum gone? <laughs> and it's so funny. And I think sometimes when you get a quote like this that gets so memeified and into pop culture, you lose track of how funny it is. I don't know about you guys. I was sitting on my couch watching that at, at, alone because my wife had gone to bed by the time that we got to that part of the movie. 
I was cackling, like, like <laughs> absolutely yes. out loud, like a lunatic, afraid I was going to wake up my daughters because I was laughing. <laughs> and I, I just loved it. I, I love Why Is the Rum Gone? It's incredible. I, I literally yeah. sat there, and as it happened, I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> like, as soon as she lit those on fire, I was just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, my personal a- favorite, like, non, it's, I guess, it's, I don't know, it, it might just be me, like, overthinking it, but, like, I don't think a lot of people remember the sea turtles, when he says sea turtles, mate. Oh, yes. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and, it's, and it's just great acting, because it, it's not, that, that's one of those line reads where it's like, oh, the actor did everything, you know, like, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, there's a Barbosa Jack moment. Barbosa says, I must admit, Jack, I thought I had you figured. But it turns out you're a hard man to predict. And then Jack says, me? I'm dishonest. And a dishonest man you can always trust to be dishonest. Honestly, it's the honest (laughs) ones you want to watch out for because you can never predict when they're going to do something incredibly stupid. And then he saves Will. And what I love about that moment is as fun and colorful and Shakespearean as it is, apparently the drinking game in this episode, I'll say it at the top, maybe I should go in. Hey, if you want to play a drink game, uh, take a shot of rum every time we say Shakespeare. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it's it, it's great because it's funny and silly and whimsical, but it, it it's true. Jack is an honest man. He's a scoundrel and he's a crook and he's a criminal, but he's, his word means something. And, and, and it's really great because even though it's a silly, fun moment, it actually does end up meaning something. I love uh, Barbosa. I'm going to teach you the meaning of pain. And then Elizabeth, you want pain? Try wearing a corset. Excellent. Yes. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Call back. <laughs> right, right, right. And then I love when Jack is leaving and he says, Elizabeth, it would never have worked between us, darling. <laughs> yeah. Will, great hair. What? <laughs> that rules. Like, that is it. such that's a good it. moment. <laughs> I, and I just, oh my gosh. That's, that's like, yeah, cut and dried, done. Any other quotes that we have to bring up? I mean, I dare um, you, I dare you to name one better than that last one because that's well, I I don't I can't say it's better, but I do love <laughs> <laughs> I do love when he's sitting in the jail cell and then he he starts hearing the cannons of the Black Pearl and he just goes, "I know those cannons." Yes, it's a great <laughs> moment and it shows. Like, I love it because well, there's a little bit we haven't really. I don't want to get in the weeds because we're almost done. There's a little bit of like a 1950s, 1960s guy who's really into his car kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but it's his boat, you know, and, and yeah. it's a really good moment there. <laughs> Jess, any more quotes? Um, when that same scene when they're in the uh, jail cell and the other prisoner says something about like, oh, I've heard stories about the Black Pearl. Uh, they never leave anybody alive. And he says, well, how then where did the stories come from? Oh yeah, that's really good. I like that one because it makes you think a little bit about mm-hmm. the yeah, nature it's, of it's, legend. It's more and... foreshadowing into like the rest of yeah. the movie. Yeah, I, I don't know why, but my brain at that point went straight to The Force Awakens where they're like uh, talking to Han Solo and they're like, the Jedi, the Force, it's all true. <laughs> like, like, I know, like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, okay, so some quick trivia. Um, as I, I, you know, I already did my rant about how the success of this really leads to the purchase of of Marvel Studios, of Marvel in general, actually, for Disney, and their expansion into trying to make media that appeals, you know, really to, um, to, to be frank, from like a marketing perspective, uh, a, a little bit more to men ages 13 and up. And it, it, it's really shaped, I would argue, the entire last 
17 years of movies. And it, it's, it's just interesting. I think this movie gets overlooked for doing just that. Uh, this is a fascinating one. So in the DVD commentary, Jeffrey Rush talks about this theory that people watch movies left to right. They look at the screen left to right the same way that they read books. And because of this, he insisted to be blocked on the left side of the screen in every scene possible. And he was, he was insistent, like had his agent fighting for it in any scene with Kira Knightley because she was so beautiful or the monkey because the monkey was so cute. <laughs> And he didn't want people to overlook him. <laughs> what a maniac. I love That's that insane. so much. Every run. That's a very white male thing to do. Oh, it's so it, much. It is, but, but at the same time, props to him. You know, it's just living, you know. And you know what? Oh, my gosh. I just loved it. I just loved it. It's like, what a like, Hollywood, makes, like, oh, my gosh. It makes so much sense as to why the uh, the monkey was always on his left shoulder. <laughs> Uh, and then originally Johnny Depp wanted Jack Sparrow to have no nose and be afraid of silly things like pepper and the common cold. Disney rejected this idea. So uh, thank you, Disney, for not letting Johnny Depp make Jack Sparrow a noseless lunatic oh, okay. who's afraid of pepper and colds. Just what? imagine like Voldemort in a... Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> Captain Barbosa. Yeah, yeah. It's just wild. Like, wait, who's the zombie here? <laughs> Absolutely wild. I just can't even. I I don't know. I, <laughs> that, that's that's the end. I'll be all for that conversation. Uh, I love you, Johnny Depp. But sorry, no. But like, but no. Please, please get out of here. Uh, anything else we have to say before we wrap? You guys were amazing. Thank you so much. I miss you both so much. And I, this is one of my favorite 90 minute periods of the last month. So thank you. I, I just feel this. like I got to work in a, I got to work in a savvy here. So oh, uh, savvy. Oh, I yeah. savvy was not in the script. That was completely improvised. Every oh, savvy I can imagine. improvised. Yeah. Uh, no, just love it. So, uh, so thank you guys so much for doing it. Um, uh, Jess, uh, if people want to follow you on social media or, or your, your cash app or Venmo or something to tip you, if they're, if, if you're making a drink at home and, 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 you know, Jess would have been your bartender, shoot her, shoot her a couple bucks. What you got, Jess? Um, yeah. So, I mean, if anybody wants to follow me on Instagram, um, I have plant Instagram. Those of you that know me know that I'm obsessed with plants. Um, so I have like a very plant specific Instagram called plant buds, P-L-A-N-T dot B-U-D-Z. Uh, which is the sister account to um, our friend Stevie's account, Animal Buzz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Animal Buzz. <laughs> so yeah, follow me on Instagram. Uh, my Cash App, um, if you so choose to generously um, send me a couple dollars for for my fruity drink. Um, my Cash App is um, Wilda Woman KC. It's W I L D E W O M A N KC. I also have a Venmo. I feel like that's been a little bit, uh, both of those are pretty popular. So my Venmo is uh, just colored red. But don't be me and forget to put the second R-E-D. <laughs> I'm just dyslexic enough that I was like colored. Just colored? <laughs> just colored red. Okay, got it, got it. I didn't think about that when I created. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's a regret that I have. No, no. <laughs> uh, so yes, so, yes. Uh, so there you go. F- follow follow Jess. Check out uh, Plant Buds. Absolutely. And then if you if you make her drink, send her a tip. Darn it. And then Noah. Uh, Noah is in. I'm going to say it because he probably won't say it. He's in one of the best bands in Kansas City, the UKs. Aww. They are uh, like a kind of post punk, uh, garage punk. Um, they, they I, I would say. Uh, they have elements of the Arctic Monkeys and the White Stripes, but but recently have been a, a little bit more. Okay, two records ago, you got you guys got even more punk, and then actually this most recent record, I think you're starting to get a little more emotional. I think you, you've got some more romantic lyrics and stuff. But that's I fair have, to say. <laughs> uh, Noah, with your permission, I'd love to uh, send the episode out. I'm gonna let you talk in a second. I promise. Uh, on on a UK's clip, is that cool? If I play? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, actually, you know what? Jacob Roberts, who was our co-host on the last episode, yes, I love him. directed the UK's uh, music video. So I think maybe we'll send them out. Is it okay? I know Motor City Blackout's a little older. Uh, we'll do that. Oh, song. do it. Is that cool? Yep. Okay. So Noah, uh, where can people follow you? Um, if, if they make your delicious Jack the Monkey drink, uh, where should they send you a tip, etc.? cetera? Uh, so I, I have a Venmo. It's, uh, it's Noah uh, and then a hyphen, B-A-R-T-E-L-T. Uh, hyphen one. Oh, wait okay do it for real one more time wait, okay the real one yes so my venmo is noah hyphen b-a-r-t-e-l-t hyphen one okay i know yes. it's ridiculous and then we got here in the uk's uh cerebellum and the brainwaves we have some stuff coming out they just dropped you guys just dropped a new video yep um and uh, i'm the worst new ep coming out june 4th yep I have had the pleasure of listening to that. That's great stuff. Very um, 2000 or early 2010s, um, like stuff you'd see a Lollapalooza, kind of like a MGMT. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bearder Vampire Weekend, like California English Vampire Weekend. Uh, so check all that out. One of the weirder things I've done. <laughs> it's bizarre and I love it. Uh, so thank you guys so much for talking this movie with me. But most of all, thanks for hanging out with me. I miss you guys so much. And uh, yeah, so that's the episode. Uh, I forget what movie we're doing next, but I'll try to announce it all on social media and all that jazz. But uh, until then, be be excellent to one another and uh, just make sure that the rum's not gone. Just, you know, <laughs> don't be a rookie. Make sure the rum's not gone. That's, that's my advice to you. All right. More rum. Peace out. The fever's growing, I'm not myself My brain is drowning in the liquids from the bottom shelf All the fucked up vibes I have I take another drink to try to turn them black I'm feeling down and down now Another chase for my demons Ain't nothing left to talk about I just feel like leaving